that book. Um, but this past week, on Tuesday, May 12th, we got the news that Pastor Larry Anderson, my pastor, went home to be with the Lord. Pastor Larry was called um, to Phelan. And those of you guys who, who live in Phelan, you know that, um, I mean, you got to be called here. <laughs> you got to be called. Um, you know, if somebody says, oh, yeah, I've been called to Hawaii, it's like, really? I don't know about that. But to be called to Phelan, you know it's a calling. And so in 1988, Pastor Larry, March of 1988, was called to Phelan, Calvary, uh, to Phelan, California, and he took over a small church called Higher Ground Christian Fellowship at the time. We were all of this small. The, the sanctuary was this small right here. Uh, we've added on and took over the whole building, but at that time, it was really small, and, and Pastor Larry got here at the ripe old age of 45 years old. He was old to us. Because what he found here was a bunch of us who were in our late 20s, early 30s, and he became our pastor. There's guys like Steve Hamilton who was here. The Camp Houses were here. The Melkuses were here. And the Liches, the Muses, and the Floreses. <laughs> and uh, once he arrived here about two years, within the two years, um, that he got here, he changed the name from, Cal from uh, Higher Ground Christian Fellowship to Calvary Chapel of Phelan. And so he became the founding pastor of this church. For 24 years he served, and he poured his life out on a bunch of young kids like me <laughs> and a lot of these other guys that I just mentioned that, have, that are still here, except for Gal Gary Malkus, who is now the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Apple Valley. But he served here faithfully. And uh, in 2012, Pastor Larry stepped, a, stepped away from this pulpit here. After all these years, he, he stepped away. And within a year, he got involved in a ministry called Poemen Ministries. And Poemen Ministries is a ministry that pastors pastors... They're a ministry that goes and helps other churches who aren't as privileged as we are to have assistance and, and other people that can teach. And so when they needed somebody to come in and help them in their time of need or whatever they needed, they would call somebody like Pastor Larry and he would go out and spend time with them, either just teaching or having the, the pastor sit back and, uh, and they come in and just kind of help with leadership and, and church order and things like that. And a few months ago, he was up in Alaska pastoring up there for over a month while that pastor's on sabbatical. And he was so excited when he came back because he would be here for a couple of weeks and then head on out to Israel to go photograph uh, what the Bible college is doing. And so he was excited to be able to go to Israel. And then from there, he was going to go to Kosovo. And he was going to uh, spend time with the church there. Because the pastor was on sabbatical as well. 
And so Pastor Larry loved doing what he got to do. He loved it so much because he was serving Jesus and helping others. And Pastor Larry was on mission. That was his life. He was on mission. Whether he was pastoring here or pastoring pastors, filling the need, doing what the occasion demanded. And on, and on this occasion, like I said, he was filling, it, filling in for the pastor of Calvary Chapel, uh, Pristina in Kosovo. That is where he taught his last sermon last week. He taught out of Psalm 92, verses 12, and I want to read them to you. Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15. I don't know everything that he shared, but man, oh man, just reading this, it was epic. Because he says in verse 12, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, and they shall grow like the cedar of Le in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is righteous. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. And so he preached the message last Sunday. I did hear that in that message he had shared with that body that he... Uh, he wanted to go to the very end, and if he could die like Pastor Chuck, his pastor, that's what he wanted to do. And like his pastor, Pastor Chuck preached on a Sunday morning and died on a Tuesday, and that's what Pastor Larry did. He died. He preached that Sunday morning, and he died <laughs> that Tuesday. And so this morning, I would like to share with you on finishing well. We will be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll cover verses 5 through 8. Like I said, I want to share with you on how to finish well <clears throat> and how we are to stay the course and not be moved even through grief and death. So as you get to that portion, hold your place there and go over to 1 First Peter chapter 3. This is why in First Peter chapter 3, or chapter 1, verse 3. This is why we stay the course. This is why we are not moved through life, through grief, and through death. In verse 3 it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance <clears throat> incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who were kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this we greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved with various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, 
may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, we love, you love. Though you, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with inexpressible and uh, with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receive receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is why we stay the course. That is why we are not moved through grief or through death. We stay the course. Second Timothy chapter four. Let's start in verse one. It says, But I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Evangelists, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this precious time that we have. And as we open up your word, Lord, speak to us. Strengthen us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on you, to stay the course and not be moved, Lord. Help me, Lord God, just to convey this message that you've laid on my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 5, the Apostle Paul, as he is writing to his son in the faith, says, but you, but you, you be watchful, in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And what Paul was telling his young protege there, his young Timothy, and I would say for us today, but as for you, however, be watchful, be calm, be cool, be steady. In other words, remain cool-headed, be careful, be sober, keep your eyes open, watch out, <laughs> be ready in all things. Don't let anything move you, distract you, or divert you from staying the course, no matter what comes your way. 
Like, like a soldier who would be up on the watchtower, he would be keeping watch, keeping an eye out, keeping his eyes peeled for anything that the enemy might try to do or come against what he is protecting. And he's telling this young man who was in the ministry, as he is finishing off his ministry, he says, but you be watchful. You watch. Stay on guard. (laughs) Knowing that the battle rages on. Because the enemy will use the issues of life and he will use the issues of death (laughs) to move the believer if he can. Anything. Guys, I have been sharing with you all year (laughs) about the vision that the Lord has been laying in our hearts for this year, for us as a church. And the vision is stay the course and do not be moved. Do not be moved by anything that happens in our life. And there's so much that has been happening throughout this year already for me personally as far as the pastor of the church. And and as he had been warning me and telling me, but you do not be moved (laughs) by anything that happens this year. I'm going, you know, I I, I have been what? why are you telling me this, Lord? Why, why are you challenging me to hang in there after 35 years of walking with Jesus? This year you're telling me, you, you hang in there. You stay the course. Do not be moved. And it's like, is this what you were talking about? Because this is hardcore, man. This ranks up there with losing my dad. I was 29 years old when, I, when Larry took me under his wing. And he has taught me along the way. And he was my Paul. He was Paul to me. He taught, he taught us, all of us here, who, are, who remember him. And he taught us what it meant to watch. But as for you, you watch. So when I read this, I see Paul throwing this into the lap of his young man that he had been training. But I, gosh, man, I can't help but think as I've, I, I had this on my mind after all this happened that says, man, I want to talk about this portion of Scripture. Because as much as it's Paul sharing it with us, I know what my pastor had taught me as we were go- growing together. <laughs> he says, but as for you, be watchful. Endure afflictions. And the word affliction here conveys that, that it has to do with physical suffering. Whatever you have to go through in the physical sense, you endure it. Because it's only for a moment. But it's suffering nonetheless, even if we're going through it emotionally right now. If we're going through, through whatever we're going through that we're afflicted within, it's like you endure affliction. That's what we're supposed to do because there's no other option really, right? If you're going to be walking with the Lord, if you're going to be serving Him, if you're giving your life to Him, then you be watchful and you endure affliction. Whatever comes your way, don't let nothing move you. Be strong. Endure. Because it is only for a moment we are to stand fast. Romans 8, 
8.18. And I'm going to give you guys a lot of scripture. You guys can write it down. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Whatever we are suffering through, whatever we are going through, even if it's grief right now and sadness, endure. It's for a moment. It's for a time. Because all of this works out for His glory, for God's glory, one way or another. It all works out. And throughout all these years of being here and, and, and all the affliction that, that the church has gone through as a whole, but the affliction in the physical sense that my pastor has gone through, that man should have died a long time ago. He came to us already defying death with cancer. He, 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 he won melanoma. He had another cancer in his stomach. And then he came, in the time that I've known him, that man has had four heart attacks and two small strokes. I'm thinking, this shouldn't have killed him. <laughs> but he endured. He taught us what it meant to endure. And then he says, do the work of an evangelist. All who desire to see people come to the saving knowledge of Christ and who want to be the ones used in doing that must do the work of an evangelist. And I know you might be thinking, well, I just can't. It's like, no, if you are going to watch, if you're going to endure, then you must be doing the work of an evangelist. Putting yourself out there. Doing the work. Being willing to be used in any capacity necessary. Again, man, we've had examples. And my pastor has been one of the leading examples in my life. Probably one of the shyest people I know. It's hard to believe because he would stand up here every week. But he was a shy person. And yet he put himself out there. He did the work of an evangelist. He had to. That's what he was supposed to do. He knew that. Because he was going to pour himself out for the sake of others. And he knew that that meant you go out there and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill the service that you have been called to. That's what the word ministry means, service. To be ready for service. To present yourself to Jesus in such a way that, that, that you are presenting yourself and saying, here I am, use me. It is our reasonable service as it says in Romans 12.1. That we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. You see, God has a ministry for each and every one of us. Every one of us has some kind of a ministry. And we are to fulfill that ministry. Whatever God has called you. He might not call you call you to be a, a pastor or to be behind a pulpit, but He has called us to do His work. And we are to continue to do that. Paul was not only encouraging Timothy 
to do all of this. But he himself was the example to Timothy, doing these things himself first and foremost. I know my pastor was encouraged by these scriptures. I know that. He knew the scriptures and he did these things. And he also encouraged others to do the same. And Pastor Larry did this to the very end. There was nothing, absolutely nothing, not even his family <laughs> at this point. There was nothing that was going to stop him from watching, from enduring, from doing, and from fulfilling what he had been called to do. Because he was ready. He was ready to go at any time. Go anywhere and go home if he had to. He was not afraid to do this. And because I know that in this man's life, that he was watching, he was enduring, he was doing, he was fulfilling, I know that he is able to say what these next three verses say. I know that he was ready to do all of this because he had done all of this already. In verse 6, and 7 and 8, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This letter was intended and written for Timothy, instructing him, encouraging him. And if you know this, these letters, I mean, this was Paul's final, final letter. And he had done an amazing job in instructing and encouraging young Timothy to move forward, to continue going to do all he possibly could for the work of the ministry, to stay the course and to not be moved. And we as believers have been encouraged by this letter for, this, for centuries. We have all benefited from these letters as well. And now Paul, as he had in verse 6, says, But you, now he says, for I, and he turns the attention on himself in a sense because for this this for I what he is saying is for I am already ready <laughs> I am already ready in other words let me tell you where I am at and what I am ready for Paul knew that his time was short he knew that. And he was already ready. You see, Paul the Apostle was in Rome at this time. He's already gone through one, one trial. and tells us at the end of this letter that everybody had left him and he was all by himself. But he wasn't afraid because the Lord Jesus was with him. And he knew that the end was near. And so now he was kind of reflecting. He was kind of looking around. And he knew that all was well with his soul. He was okay. 
He was okay with what was going to happen. And one thing I see here, as he is saying, I am ready. I am already being poured out. My time is, is, is at hand, my departure. One thing that I see here is that he is not freaking out. <laughs> he is not freaking out, even though death is at the door. You know, it, it's waiting. It's waiting to take him. You see, Paul knew that his death was right around the corner. And it wasn't going to be some you know, lethal injection to make it humane. He knew that he would lose his head because he was going to be beheaded because of his faith. He understood that and he was not afraid. He says, I am already being poured out and I'm ready to depart. I am ready to get out of this place, to be done. <laughs> he wasn't writing going, Man, these guys want to kill me. I can't believe nobody's stepping up to stop this. He's not doing that. <laughs> In essence, what he's saying is, they're not taking my life. It is being poured out. I'm ready to pour it all out. Even in death, I'm ready to pour it all out. And I love that picture that he, he says that he has poured, he has been poured out. It's almost like the pitcher, and you've d done this, and it's the last little drops, and you're just waiting until every drop is done and you're done. <laughs> he says, I am already being poured out. We are down to the last drop and he was and he was not afraid and i could guarantee you my pastor was not afraid he had poured himself out for 40 years basically in service and when his time came he was down to the last drop and he was going take me lord i'm ready <laughs> i am so ready <laughs> this is what you do when you serve the lord you pour yourself out this is what it means to serve. That you pour yourself out to the very end. Guys, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for us. Are you pouring yourself out today? Because are you going to get to the end of your life and going, man, there was still a lot left. I should have. Don't have those regrets. You see, there's nothing better that we can do in this place than to serve our Lord to the last to pour yourself out to when you get to the end of your life, you're saying the same things that the Apostle Paul said. I am already being poured out. There's none left. And if I go, I go, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I'm good with that. To the very end, Paul was always a living sacrifice. Since the time he was saved, he understood what it meant to present himself as a living sacrifice which was his reasonable service. It was his act of worship to say, here I am, Lord. I am ready to serve you. What does that mean in my life, Lord? You send me, you take me, you do whatever. My life is yours. It's not mine. I can't hold on to it, nor do I want to hold on to it. And so he says, take me, Lord, all of me. He had made himself ready for service. And it demonstrated itself and manifested itself in how he served others and poured himself out for others. This is what he told the Philippians 
in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the, uh, on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. That was his heart, to pour himself out and to continue to pour himself out on the behalf of others. This is the natural process for the Christian. To do his service for the Lord. And when you get to the end of being poured out, it's time to depart. <laughs> it's time to depart. And Paul was not afraid to depart because of his view of death. You see, his view of death was just that he was moving from one place to the next. And the word departure here means to hoist anchor, to set sail. It means to take down the tent. That's what it means. <laughs> Paul was like the old soldier that was getting ready to leave the battlefield and join his commander-in-chief. <laughs> and Timothy would replace him. You see, when one laborer is removed, God fills that vacancy with another laborer or two or three or more. I can't tell you how many people have gone from this place to go minister in other places that are pastors, assistant pastors, youth pastors, leaders in their churches because somebody poured into them. <laughs> and so as Paul I looked around or he saw that his ministry was just about over and he was ready to move on. He had stayed the course and he could see the destination fast approaching. And like Peter, in 2 Peter 1, 13 and 14, it says, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. How do you see death? How do you view it? Are you afraid of it? Are you afraid of what death can bring? Or do you see it like Peter and Paul here? just moving from one place to the other. James tells us that our time, our life here is a vapor and it's only for a moment. I don't care what age you're at, it's only for a moment. Death is inevitable for every person. How do you view it? You see, Jesus, he experienced death for us. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever dies and believes in me shall never, he who lives, I'm jacking that whole thing up, but he is the resurrection. But he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? <laughs> Psalm 160, I should put that on my notes so I don't mess up the next service. But Psalm 116, 15 says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints, of his saints. 
not like, it's not that God is into death. It's not like he's so morbid that way. He just understands what death does. For, for the saint, all death does is usher the saint into his presence. That's it. That's it. That's what we get to experience as believers. That, that, that we get to be ushered into his presence and be with him. And so in verse 7, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul now looks back in, in his life. And as he looks back over his life from the time that he was saved, and I think it's important for us to oftentimes reflect back to see what God has done in our lives. You see, from that time when God had come into his life, he was fighting. He was fighting a different fight. You see, before he was fighting against Jesus. He was on, on the road to Damascus to go kill more, more Christians, to get rid of them and imprison them if he could. And yet he remembered when he got knocked off his high horse. And when he got saved, <laughs> he was now entering a new battlefield. And it was a different fight. And Jesus had said this about him to Ananias, the one who would go minister to him. He says, I will show him, I will show Paul how many things he must suffer for my, my namesake. And Paul was ready for the fight. It's almost like there was this joy getting into the fight after that. He understood that for the rest of his life, he would battle, he would fight, he would have to, and he would never throw in the towel. He would never throw a no mas, I can't, I don't want to no more. He would never throw that out there. It would be a fight for the finish, and he was up for the fight. And it almost sounds like there was a joy that came with that, that he was willing to fight. And so as he looked over or looked back over his life, he says, I have fought the good fight. He had earlier encouraged Timothy in the first letter to fight the good fight of faith. Fight through it, man. Because he knew that this Christian life was not a piece of cake. It's a fight. This Christian life is not, it's, it's not a playground. It's a, it's a battleground. And he was able to look back and see all the battles. And through it all, he came out on top. Oh, there were some ups and downs, but I would bet that in Paul's life, just like in my pastor's life, there was more ups than there was downs because he had victory. He had overcome, and he knew that. It says, I have finished the race. It wasn't a matter of just starting off well it was a matter of finishing well you see it's not just starting the race although you do have to get into the race it's about how you're going to finish this race how are you going to finish are you going to finish well paul understood that this wasn't a sprint and that's where many people start off and they drop out right away because they just don't see any results Paul understood that this was a cross-country run. This was a marathon. And he was going to pace himself, but it was, it, it was going to be a good, hard pace to the very end. Guys, that's what we're in. We're in a marathon. But even in a marathon, we still need to start off well. 
And when you understand that, that it's going to take time, like the rest of your life, <laughs> then you have a better chance of finishing well. And if you're going to go the distance, then you better be prepared. You better do some training. <laughs> In other words, have the training manual next to you, like the Word of God, and have your trainer, the Holy Spirit, just encouraging you along the way. One of the ways that Paul trained was that he kept his eyes ahead. He didn't look back too often. He couldn't look back. He, he kept his eyes on the prize. And he says in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had the finish line in sight. And his mind, he never looked back longing, longing for the past. His race was almost over and there was nothing that was going to stand in his way. He could almost taste victory and it was going to taste sweet. And then he says, I have kept the faith even though he wasn't perfect, and I'm sure he failed with all that he went through that we have to go through as well, he was able to say, I have kept the faith. I have kept the teachings. I have kept the doctrine. I never walked away from, from, from this walk, even though it was hard. You see, he knew who to run to when he messed up he knew that he could run to God for forgiveness he had that much faith that God would forgive and Paul understood that his faith was not dependent on how good he was but on what Jesus had done in his life and so he was able to say I have kept the faith I have kept on trusting in relying on and adhering to who Jesus is Paul knew he was at the end of his life and there was nothing ahead of him that would keep him from betraying or would cause him to betray his faith. There was nothing that would keep him from moving forward. Our prayer should be that we would, there would be nothing that would ever separate us from the love of Christ no matter what so that we too can keep the faith. This is what Paul said to the Ephesian elders as he was leaving Ephesus. He says, but none of these things move me. That's in Acts chapter 20. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life to be uh, dear to myself, so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. He was ready. 
And so in verse 8, as we finish off here, he says, finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul was able to say, finally, as he looked ahead, <laughs> he was about to turn the final page on his life, and he looked ahead. And as he looked ahead to the finish line, he had it in his sights, and he could say, finally, I could taste the victory. <laughs> he could see the finish line. And it almost sounds like he could see or, 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 or see this award table that was waiting for him. And it was laid up for those who finished. It was laid up for those who crossed the finish line. To those who are faithful, to the ones who finish well. And I find it ironic that Jesus does everything for us. He does everything. He gives us salvation. He gives us the faith to believe in Him. He gives us His Holy Spirit to live in us. And He helps us to walk in Him. And when we die, there is a, 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 a reward for us. <laughs> it's like He's done it all. And just because we've hung in there to the very end, He says, there is a prize. There is a crown of righteousness laid up for you. And it's His righteousness, not our righteousness. It's His righteousness. And He says, here, this is for you. And I think, this is pure grace. At His finest, pure grace. He has blessed us in this life. And then when we die, He gives us our reward because He is our reward. Paul had preached about it. I know he had taught about it. <laughs> and now it was almost his. There was a recompense for his labor. And the righteous judge knew how to, how to reward him. And Paul had stood before other judges, but not like this judge. And there was no fear because he had been justified. He had been dicked declared guilt uh, he had been, de been declared not guilty by the judge himself and this reward is not only for paul but for all those who love his appearing all those who are expecting his his soon return those who have an anticipation with joyfulness that jesus is coming back or that one day we will be with him and so in the amplified these verses sound like this verse six for i am already about to be sacrificed. My life is about to be poured out as a drink offering. The time of my spirit's release from the body is at hand and I will soon go free. Verse 7, I have fought the good, worthy, honorable, and noble fight. I have finished the race. I have kept firmly held the faith. Verse 8, as to what remains, henceforth there is laid up for me the victor's crown of righteousness. For being right with God and doing right, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me and recompense me on that great day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved and yearned for and welcomed his appearing, his return. I, I really don't know what this crown of righteousness will look like. 
but we do sing a song that says, Jesus, you are my reward. To see your face on that day is all I'm living for. (laughs) That is our reward. Jesus is our reward. No matter what kind of rewards are handed out on that day, Jesus will be the ultimate of all of it. That's what my pastor taught. That's what he was looking for. That's what he received. And we will continue to teach that. Guys, we're going to do some worship in a little bit. I wanted to do worship at the end today. And I want to encourage you to stay the course, to not be moved, no matter what comes our way, life or death, because Jesus is our reward regardless. Amen? Let's worship. We're going to have people up here for prayer. If you need prayer, if you've been going through it this past week, Because of all that's going on, we want to encourage you. We want to move forward. We want to glorify God through all of this. Because Jesus is our reward. Let's stand as we um, sing. And then, uh, gosh, there's four songs, so I don't know if I should have had you stand. But regardless, if you want to sit down, whatever you want to do, let's just pray. We're going to worship. Father in heaven, we do want to praise you and thank you, Lord, for this time. We praise you, Lord God, for your word for what you teach us through your word, Lord God, and how we can all finish well as long as we hang on to you, Lord God, and let nothing divert us. Jesus, we look to you for strength. We look to you, Lord God, to comfort and to bring peace. We look to you, Lord God, for everything. Lord, bless your holy name. For you are worthy to be praised. And as we worship you, as we honor you, Lord God, and as we remember our brother, man, we know that he is rejoicing in heaven and singing to you. And we, we, we bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship, guys.